Oh, for goodness sake, I'm a happily married man. Maris means the world to me. Why, just the other day, I kissed her for no reason whatsoever. And there's a, a book called The Sex-Starved Marriage. And in that book, the author Michelle Weiner Davis talks about how she can pick out a couple that's in love and having very good sex from a crowd. You just look at a crowd and you just can tell who are the ones who are connecting. You know, what are the subtle manifestations of the hand-holding, the hugging? I was driving home the other day and I saw a car parked and I looked a little closer and it was... Uh, young teenagers kissing in the front seat. Now, teenagers, young adults, I'm not sure. But it was just wonderful to see. You know, usually you don't see that in broad daylight. And they just, they, they were very romantic. Um, so just think about your own relationship. What What's going well in it? And in terms of sex, what's not going well? What is the number one sex problem, do you think, that people have in marriage? or in a relationship. Think of your own relationship. Think of a past one. What was your main complaint sexually? Later in the show, I'll be talking with Michelle Weiner Davis, author of The Sex-Starved Marriage, and we'll be discussing just that, the number one sex problem in marriages. Um, I can remember in my dating years, I dated more than one guy at once, and it's not that I was deceitful. It's what we did in the 1970s, 1980s. It wasn't that you would just hang out in a group, but you would date someone. You'd be asked out for Friday night by one person and Saturday night for by another person. Uh, but imagine being in love with two men, or two women if you want. But in this case, it's two men, and one of them is your husband. And your husband hurt you terribly. He had an affair. And the other man is living with your very good friend. One listener writes to me that she is incredibly tangled up in this situation, and I'll try to help her out later on. And how do you deal with triplets who are two and a half years old? Triplets, imagine that, three young ones running around. But one of the girls has a problem. She's the problem kid. She has to be the center of attention. She takes the toys. She feels that anything anyone else has is better than her own. So if her siblings have a toy that she wants, she grabs it out of their hands. Now her brothers and sisters can play very calmly. She enters the room and it's all chaotic after that. One worried mom projects into her teenage years and says, what's going to happen then? You know, if this is the way my daughter is now, I'm going to have my hands full and she's going to be in a lot of trouble in her teenage years. I'll help that mom coming up too. And do you procrastinate? Are you not leading your life the way you wish you were? I'll, one person asked me that question, and I will help him out. And another woman says, I won't be happy until I have a baby. And I'm not convinced that she wants a baby. I'll answer her question later in the show, too. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. You're listening to The Rational Basis of Happiness. I'm a clinical psychologist, and that means you can call me with any question that's on your mind, any question that you would ask a counselor or a therapist. You can pick up the phone now or jot down my number and dial one eight seven seven doctor kenner That's one eight seven seven dr K-E-N-N-E-R, and my website is drkenner.com. Here's the woman who has triplets. See what you think. Dear Dr. Kenner, I have triplets, two girls and one boy, who are now two and a half years old. So picture that. Just picture you, you, even the baby carriage trying to carry these kids when they were infants, and now they're toddlers running around, and you have to have, instead of, you know, how do, how do you take care of three little kids, toilet training three little kids? 
And she continues, ever since one of my daughters, Amy, started to crawl around, she shows the behavior of, quote, whatever someone else is doing is more fun than what I'm doing. So you can picture this kid always barging into whatever anyone's doing, you know, not respecting any boundaries. Well, she's two and a half years old. She continues, and my daughter also, Amy also says, whatever someone else has is better, not that she says, but she, she, this is the behavior she exhibits, whatever someone else ha has is better than my own. She takes toys. She has to be the center of any activity. She has the personality trait of a people pleaser. She's a great little helper and follows directions well. She's responsive to praise and affection. So the mom has two questions. The first question is, with her needing to be the center of attention and needing to please others, will she be enticed into wrong behavior by peer pressure later as a preteen or teenager? So again, she's two and a half years old and mom's projecting a very negative future. And she, mom also asks, um, her behavior is affecting her relationship with her brother and her sister. They get along better. They get along better with each other than they do with her. She interrupts their play. So, um, how worried should I be, given that she's so young? She's two and a half years old, Marianne. Okay. So the mom has done some good things. This was a much longer email. She's given her daughter, Amy, some individual attention, and she's let her help her in productive ways, uh, maybe helping you know get a family meal together. She catches her being good. So she's got a lot of good skills. So Marianne, here's the advice. I would ask yourself, who does this daughter remind you of? She's only two and a half years old, and you've already you're already saying she's got a personality trait of a people pleaser. She's in the beginning of forming who she's going to be, not at the end of it. And I know the young years are very important, but they're also, kids are very flexible and their personality, personality can change dramatically. So what, if, if, an, think of who she reminds you of. Does she remind you of a sister or a friend or an aunt or maybe your mother? Observe how you treat your own daughter. Observe how you treat Amy, because you may be treating her in subtle ways that are making her look like a people pleaser, making her feel that she's left out and she has to barge in and in order to get noticed. Uh, another parent might see your child and not conclude that she's a people pleaser or not conclude that she uh, needs to have something that's always better than her own. Another mother might see her and say, hey, Amy's got a lot of curiosity. What a doll. You know, she's so curious at what the other two are doing and she asks such neat questions and she's looking to figure out her world. And she may need some, under some skills to understand her boundaries, but she wouldn't see it as a negative trait. Also, in terms of taking the other kids' toys, I set really clear uh, guidelines with my kids. Uh, for and, and even when we went visiting, my kids knew what's called the trader principle, T-R-A-D-E-R. -E when my kids went to visit other kids, we brought a bag of toys so that they could trade and they would respect each other's property rights. So I wouldn't call it a trade at a such a young age that Amy is somehow a people pleaser or Amy is the the annoying kid on the sidelines or Amy's going to have trouble in her teenage years. That's a parenting mistake to predict a negative future. Parents do it all the time. Your room's such a mess, you'll never make anything of yourself. That's that's called predicting a negative future. You don't want to do that to yourself or to her. So um, when we come back, I will be continuing with talking about 
um, this and we'll also talk about the woman who's in love with two men and later on in the show of course we have the sex starved marriage so what the number one uh, marital problem is in sex Do you want your doctor to decide what treatment or medicine you need? Or do you want the government to decide what treatment you are allowed? If you would like more information on politics and your health care, visit the website of Americans for Free Choice in Medicine, www.afcm.org. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner and co-author Dr. Edwin Locke. To use introspection to become a better romantic partner, learn to understand your emotions. Otherwise, you'll feel moved by mysterious forces that you can neither comprehend nor control. In other words, subconscious ideas. Nor is it attractive to your romantic partner if you have no idea why you respond to him or her as you do. Don't expect your partner to understand you if you do not understand yourself. Demanding that your partner spend hours upon hours probing your subconscious when you have no idea what's in there creates an impossible burden. If you expect this from your partner, consider consulting a therapist to help learn about yourself. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com. And you can buy The Selfish Path to Romance at amazon.com. 